Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. There we are. Hello, everybody. All doing okay? Welcome to you if you're joining us in the building, wherever you might be, on the balcony or on the ground floor. Welcome to you if you're joining us online today. So good that we can be together as a Thrive community, whether physically or online. Are you ready for the word today, church? Can I ask you, would you stand to your feet? Come join me and let's stand to our feet. Uh, I know, you know, we know that nothing compels us into this place. We didn't come out of a sense of ritual or a sense of tradition. We didn't come because anybody's going to give us any money to come here. Some of you are trying to do deals on the sides and... Some of you may have come for a marriage partner, in which case I'd like to direct you to the welcome sign under the deck. It says, welcome, we'd love to hook you up. So in this moment, just have a, do have a look around and see if there's anybody who's single and ready to mingle. In fact, I'll give you this moment just to raise your hand and say, I'm single, I'm available, I'm on the market. And what we could do is auction you, if you'd like, and just see. Pastor Kathy's got her hand up. She's single. Are you ready to trade him in for a new model? <laughs> Come let's stand. If you're online, I hope that you're standing with us. Welcome to it. We're going to pray and lift our hearts, our hands, and our eyes to heaven. We're going to talk about the fact that one time, one time there was an open heaven on Pentecost Sunday. And when there's an open heaven, you know what it does to us as people is it lifts our gaze to heaven, lifts our hearts to heaven. And we end up lifting our hands to heaven. That's why during worship, I, I can't just stand stock still and stock safe because when you sense that heaven is opening, it's like everything within you wants to head that way. Hey? And so my eyes go upwards, my, my heart goes upwards, and my hands go upwards as well. And so today, come, let's pray together as a church. Father, in this moment, we do ask for heaven to be open, for your Holy Spirit to speak and move for your presence, which is always so kind and so gentle and so loving and so powerful and so personal. Pray that you'd have your will and your way in our lives today. Pray that you'd mold us and shape us and shake us up and turn us inside out and upside down. Do things in us today that you need to do. Here we are. We ask for your touch on our lives today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Everybody alive? Everybody kicking? Quickly kick someone close to you as you sit down and say sorry if you need to. You know, church, one of the things uh, as a pastor, and I, I think as, as a pastor, if you want to get increasingly better as a pastor, you know, you can get good, good pastors and bad pastors, but anybody who wants to be a good pastor would definitely want to be thinking about and spend their time thinking about the questions that are on our minds as people. Not only your mind, my mind, all of our minds. What are the, what are the questions that occupy our time and mental space and emotional energy? I think in our culture at the moment, particularly in this weird season we're in, I think there are many questions on our minds, aren't there? Many questions on our hearts. Many of us have questions related to faith, uh, related to God, who God is, who Jesus is, 
who the Holy Spirit is. Many of us have faith-related questions. Many of us have life-related questions. Sometimes those questions intersect and overlap. But I, I think despite all the questions that might be on our minds, I think there are a couple of questions, particularly at the moment, that I'm hearing on the hearts and lives of people as I engage with them. The first question is a question like this. How do I cope with life? How do I cope with life? There's so much to think about, so much to process, so much to deal with. Short left quickly. Can I? Yeah. The better you respond, the shorter I'll preach. Can I go short left? I think one of the things that's causing that question, that sense of overwhelmingness in our lives or being overwhelmed is digital fatigue. Speaking to a doctor the other day, they were saying that, that by the time the evening comes, our brains, our minds are so overloaded and so overwhelmed with information, we've got what's called digital fatigue. We are so tired from all the information that we're having to process. You know how it is. You're a part of a WhatsApp group or a million WhatsApp groups. Not only that, you've got emails coming in from suppliers and customers, and you've got requests from the board. And if you're a parent, you've got your parents, your teachers' requests, your kids' requests, the school's requests. You've got your husband, your wife's information coming to you. You're trying to respond to a number of just so many things, but at the end of the day, the digital fatigue kicks in where the amount of information just builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up. We're so busy on our devices, so busy on our phones, it leaves us by the end of the day feeling quite overwhelmed and quite, quite um, digitally tired. And that is contributing to the question which we ask, even sometimes under the surface, how do I cope with life? The second question that's on our minds and even under the surface of our hearts a lot is a question that you might at first glance think is a little bit opposite, maybe a little bit paradoxical. Maybe it's a question that you think, uh, it seems like it's not related to the first question, but it is. This, this is a question where we go, I know there's the one question, how do I cope with life? This one is, isn't there more to life? This one goes, we wake up in the morning, we drag ourselves out of bed. In winter, that's harder to do than ever before. Grab a cup of coffee, get breakfast shoved down our throats and our kids' throats, make our way to work, fight the traffic, although Galulis is a lot better post-COVID than it's ever been, amen. So is the N12 highway, so is the N17 highway. If you're driving from Brackpan, there's barely a car coming into... And, you, and you, you get to work, you do your work, you come home, you collect your kids, you've got everything going on, you get dinner, you shove that dinner down your throat, then you Netflix it for an hour as you experience digital fatigue, you crash into bed and you wake up the next day to think to yourself, do I do this all over again? Isn't there more to life than this? And this question, this sense of isn't there more to life Psychologists are calling a term. That, now, the, the phenomenon is not new. The, the human feeling of this, it's not new, but the wording that they're using for it is quite new. They're calling it languishing. Languishing. Languishing is a state of reducing or reduced energy or activity. Languishing. If I was to put it in emojis, it would just be, eh. 
You know the man? Come on, raise your hand if you've put this in your WhatsApps in the last month. Come on, be honest, you're in church. Lightning will strike you. There we go. There's so many hands going. <laughs> it's that emoji. It's like, ah. you know how it is. How's life? Ah. I mean, how's everybody? How's, how's things going? Ah. How's school? I say to my kids, ah. I say to my friends, how, how are you? Doing? Ah. How's work? Ah. How's your boss? Ah. Going on holiday. Ah. Everything's, are you with me? Languishing. Now it's not new to the human condition. We've been experiencing the emoji meh for thousands of years. In fact, Adam was languishing. Genesis chapter 2. Come with me to, for uh, this moment. Genesis 2 verse 7. It says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Okay, just stop there for a moment. Just stop there for a moment. Stop with that verse. God's formed Adam. He's made him. And Adam at this stage is nothing more than a human sandcastle. That's all he is. God's formed him from the dust. He's like, what's he doing? He is languishing until God breathed. Because what happens is then God breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. You and I as human beings, we languish until the Spirit of God breathes in us. Fast forward now, a couple thousand years. Nation of Israel, God's people. He's called them. He's given them a homeland. He's given them a country. It's called Israel. Uh, They're living there. Hundreds of years of disobedience. Eventually, because of their disobedience, they land up in exile in a, in, a, in a city called Babylon. It's modern-day Iraq. They're in a period of exile. They are languishing in their self-induced exile, and the nation is going nowhere. It's a, nation, it's a, a time of reduced activity. They are languishing. And everything for Israel is like, Meh. where's God? Meh. How's God? Meh. Are you interested in God? Meh. And into this moment, into this atmosphere, God raises a prophet called Ezekiel and he speaks a word over the nation and he speaks a word over the nation about how God is going to breathe into the nation. Ezekiel 37 is the text. We'll read a few moments. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Watch here. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and I'm going to make you live again watch it I will put flesh and muscles on you and I'll cover you with skin I'll put breath into you and you will come to life then you will know I am the Lord Israel languishing in exile until God breathed fast forward 700 years Jesus has lived Died, resurrected, well, about to be, but he's in the tomb, dead and buried. Jesus' body, in this moment that we're about to, he is dead and buried. Literally, it's the third day, and his body has gone cold. His body has gone stiff with rigor mortis. There's no sign of life. And early one Sunday morning, God breathed. 
take a moment with me. If you're online, join us in this, if you would. Just take a moment with me, church, and close your eyes for a moment. I want you to picture the scene. I want you to picture Jesus' body lying wrapped in grave clothes on a shelf in a rock tomb. I want you to picture the fact that a stone has been rolled in front of it. There's not a shred, not an ounce of light anywhere. It's as pitch dark as what you can come. And we don't know what time it was on a Sunday morning. We know that it was early in the morning on the third day after Jesus's horrific death uh, on Sunday morning. There's this moment when Jesus's body would have been dead and buried, lying flat on a ledge. All of a sudden, his chest would have just started to lift up and down with the first breath. You can look up at me. Can you picture that moment? Can you try and imagine that moment with me? That there would have been a moment when a dead and buried and cold and stiff body would have had the breath of God breathed into it. And life would have come in a moment. And it would have lifted up and down. The point is this, Jesus was languishing in a grave until God breathed. Fast forward with me now, 49 days, seven weeks. There's a group of followers of Jesus, they don't know what to do. Jesus has said to these guys, listen, he's ascended to heaven, he's gone up to heaven, he's told them, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere, don't do anything, just chill here, okay? They are staying there. They're being obedient to that. They're in an upper room and this body of believers, this group of people are having dinner or whatever they're doing in an upper room and they are languishing in the land in between. They are languishing in the land of uncertainty. They're not quite sure what God's up to or what God's gonna do. They know Jesus has left them. He's resurrected, uh, ascended. He's gone to heaven. But at the same time, they're not sure what his plan is. He's just told them to still. And in this moment and in this uncertainty, the spirit of God comes one day and he breathes on them. And it's found in Acts chapter two. On the day of Pentecost, which is today, by the way, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound like heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. You see how it's got wind, it's got air, it's got breath again. You with me? And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Whether it was Adam languishing as a human sandcastle, whether it was the nation of Israel that gets told, listen, spiritually I'm gonna put flesh and bones, uh, flesh and blood upon the dead bones of your spirituality, or whether it was the body of Jesus in a tomb, or whether it was this new body of believers that was about to become the church, there's one common thing that brought life to each and every one of these scenarios, and that was God breathed. Now hang with me because there's something even more important than that. It wasn't simply that God breathed on them. It was that God breathed into a body. So whether it's Adam's body that's been formed, but he's not a human being yet, 
whether it's the nation of Israel who were God's body, his nation, his people, that he, and he speaks to them and he says, your bodies, I'm gonna put flesh and bone and blood on your bones. Or whether it was the dead, buried, cold body of Jesus in a tomb one Sunday. Or whether it was the new body of believers, this group of followers of Christ, who were together as a body, and most importantly, were about to become the body of Christ, the church. The point is this. God breathed into a body. And when God breathes, church, it's into a body. Here's the profound thing for you and I today. God breathes into his new body, which is you and me, which is us. And on that Pentecost Sunday, God breathed into this body of believers. And the result of it was as the Holy Spirit came, settled on each one of them, filled each one of them, they became in that moment the church. Today is the birthday of the church. We're saying to our kids earlier, just like Christmas is Jesus's birthday, Pentecost Sunday is the birthday of the church. It was the moment when the Holy Spirit filled the believers of Christ and they formed the church. Quick recap. All of us languish until God breathes. When God breathes, he breathes into a body. We are that body. Why is it that when God breathes into a body, it brings life? Because you notice whether it was Adam lying as a human sandcast, whether it was the nation of Israel languishing in captivity and, and, and exile, whether it was Jesus' body lying in a dead tomb, or whether it was this body of believers there, when God breathed, it brought life. The natural consequence, the natural result, the only result of what happens when the Holy Spirit breathes into us, when the presence of God breathes into us is life. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the third wheel. You know what I mean by the third wheel? Let me, let me share you a traumatic story from my childhood. I once went with a friend of mine and his girlfriend out on a date where it was the two of them, they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and I was the third Even now, I can feel my heart beating very fast. <laughs> Why would I have done that? Such an idiot. You know that you can't fix stupid. And when you're a teenager, why, why would you do that? You know, they went through the whole day at movies at East Rand Mall. It's them too, and they're walking along holding hands, and I'm dragging. I'm the third wheel. Don't raise your hand if you've ever done that. I don't want for you to feel... The Holy Spirit is not the third wheel. The Holy Spirit is co-equal. He is the Trinitarian God. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God in the form of the Spirit. So just like 
if God is water, you can experience him in solid form, ice. You can experience him in liquid form, water. You can experience him in gaseous form, steam. So we experience Father, Son, and Holy Spirit differently. The Holy Spirit is the, the one who Jesus said, actually, listen, when I ascend to heaven, when I go back to heaven, it's better for you that I do because I'm one person, I'm one body. But when the Spirit comes, He will multiply Himself. He will be the steam. He will be the Spirit form. He will be the, that form that can find His way into every single one of your hearts. And therefore, it's better for you that I go so He can come. And when He comes, He will fill your hearts. And on the day of Pentecost, that's the moment that it came. And it was the birth day of the church so the Holy Spirit brings life why do I why do I say that you might ask what what is it about the Holy Spirit that brings life well you remember he's the third person of the Trinity he's co-equal with God the Father and Jesus the Son he but he has got a very special role he's got a very specific role in our lives in fact you cannot live a Christ following life without the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and I'll tell you why I'll tell you why he, he fulfills a few roles in our lives. In my little box of tricks, I've got a few things. The first one is a light bulb. The light bulb is there to signify and symbolize for us today is to help you remember that the Holy Spirit's job, one of them, is to bring wisdom. It is to bring discernment. It is to bring guidance. It is to bring light. It is to help you and I navigate life. He's here to bring wisdom, understanding, discernment. Uh, he's here to guide us pretty much. Are you with me? John 16, verse 13, when the Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. He's here to bring inspiration. He's here to bring revelation. When you read God's Word and that passage jumps out at you, or when that guy pulls along and he, come, he comes into your life and he looks like the part, ladies, I'm talking to you now, he, he pulls in and he's, and he's got, uh, yes, he's, got a, he's dressed well, eh? And he's got, he arrives in an SLK. Happy with SLK? Edenvale wanted an ice cream truck. What would you like? <laughs> SUV. So Edenvale went to the ice cream truck. He came and he brought pistachio and he's got chocolate flavor. And he's got salted caramel, anybody? And he's wearing a pink t-shirt like the Serve the City guys from last week. And he's dressed well, and he's got the right car, he's got the right vehicle, and he promises you gifts, and he looks the part. He's even got a neat hairstyle. It looks like he's brushed his teeth. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the one who resides in the heart of a lady who looks at him and goes, he looks lacquer, but he's dodgy. The Holy Spirit is the guy who, the presence in the heart of a man who looks at a woman, and when you look at her, you go, Woo! whoa, man, yo. You get it? See what I did there? Okay. <laughs> and she looks, she looks the part, but then you realize something within you, the Holy Spirit tells you she's like the post office. Over promises and under delivers. <laughs> He's the one who gives you the wisdom, the insight, the understanding. Are you all with me? Second thing I've got in my box of tricks is sanitizer. We all live with it, don't we? We're all sanitizing a million times a day. We all got skin like crocodiles and 
The Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to purify us and cleanse us and to bring about a holiness in our lives. What do I mean by that? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. He says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. How does He do that? He reminds you at the end of the day. You know, when the way you spoke to that person wasn't cool. You know, that unkindness that you showed somebody. You know, that website that you lingered on, or that extra long look you had at that guy or that girl. You know? The Holy Spirit's job is to come and to bring sanitizer to our thoughts. What does he do? He renews our minds, cleanses our minds, washes us. You're thinking, what else has he got in his box of tricks? Got a bandage. Holy Spirit's job is to come and to strengthen us in our weakness. You know, like when you, when you fall, uh, not many of you would have seen it, but we, we had a moment where I fell off the stage in Edenville. The stage has since been rectified. It's, it's been made idiot-proof now. <laughs> but you know, when you do your ankle, like you, 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 you twist your ankle, and, and what do you do? You strap it with a bandage. Why? Because it brings strength. So look at what Romans 8.26 tells us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Fourth thing I've got in my box of tricks is a Duracell battery to remind us that the Holy Spirit empowers us. If you've got small kids, you'll know you can't do life without a star screwdriver. <laughs> because when you want to put this battery in any toy, it doesn't matter where it's made in the world, you need a star screwdriver. And I try very hard not to go anywhere near my toolbox. But what I'll do is I'll go every now and then and go and get the star screwed so that I can open it up to put this in because the toy doesn't work until it's got the battery in it. It's what provides the power. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is there, third person of the Trinity, co-equal with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to provide us with power, spiritual power, to share your faith, to know what to say in a moment. He's there to give you strength for the meeting tomorrow that you don't know how to face. He's there to help you have the breakup conversation that somebody here, you're planning it for tomorrow. Because you've just realized the oak with the SLK is dodgy. <laughs> Last thing I've got in my box of tricks is a nice blanket. This is to signify comfort. You know, the scripture tells us in John 16, uh, sorry, in um, John 14, verse 26, that the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the advocate, the intercessor, his job is to come and to literally put the comfort of God's love around us. You know, there's nothing better than a nice warm blankie on a, on a winter's morning. Hey, I couldn't have chosen a better object lesson for today because, yes, it was a bit chilly this morning. But when you... <laughs> put this around you. It's like God's love envelops you. The Holy Spirit's job and His role is to ensure that you and I sense, understand, feel, experience, encounter the loving presence of God, that He literally wraps His arms around you. Can I ask you, when last did you ask the Holy Spirit to comfort you?
We languish until God breathes. When God breathes, he breathes into our body, your body, my body, but most importantly, this body, his body. Did you know that all of us together, I mean, when you look around and you see how dodgy some people look in this building today, can you believe that we would be Christ's body? Just look at your neighbor and say, can it really be? <laughs> if you're online, look at, look at whoever's nearest to you and go, can you really be the body of Christ? But isn't it amazing that he breathes into us? Now, here's where, here's where I want you to grab a hold of this today. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day when we remember the presence of God that came on this group of believers. And the scripture, remember I read it to you earlier, it said like little tongues of fire settled above each one of them. Now, the team are joining me. Don't stress about them. Just stay focused on me. They're going to come so that they're just going to do the thing so that there's going to be fire. It's going to be amazing. When God breathed, he breathed into this body on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, quick short lift, hang with me. I want to explain to you why this was so important. Pentecost was one of three festivals that the Israelites, the Jewish people had at that time. God asked them to come for three festivals. One of these festivals was Pentecost or called the Feast of Weeks. It was a time when everybody or every male in Israel literally had to make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Why they would do that, it was because God said to them, a Feast of Weeks, 49 weeks after, after Passover, celebrate the, the harvest, celebrate what God has given you. So you've got all of Israel, right? All of them coming and gathering in Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks. And God chooses this moment, church, when all of Israel would have been gathered in Jerusalem. He chooses this moment to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit. And he does it on a group of followers of Jesus in an upper room one day. And that he comes and he descends with fire. The fire is there because it's the warmth of God's presence. It's the strength of God's presence. It's the purity of God's presence. It's, it's the fact that God's presence brings a change. Look, you put anything over fire, it's gonna change in nature. Put wax, it's gonna melt, right? Put liquid, it's gonna heat up. You're never the same when God's presence has touched you, when it's descended on you. And He comes and He descends. And today is Pentecost Sunday. And because of that, we chose this day to make space for God to breathe on us. And we're gonna do that tonight for an extended time and encounter. It's happening at this Boxburg campus, 5 p.m. We've called it Encounter Night. We're gonna trust God for Pentecost Sunday, the presence of God just to descend, always kindly, always mercifully, always gently, always powerfully, always profoundly always personally. I'll never forget being in a service one day when the presence of God descended like that. Was in a church called Faramir, AOG. It's the same church that Pastor Stephen Cathy were planted out from when they planted this church years ago. I remember the pastor, he said to me, anybody who wants to experience God's power for anything that they need help with in their life, come on up. That stage, um, 
I'd had a car accident when I was five and my one leg was shorter than my other leg. It was like this much shorter. And it was starting to cause me back problems because I was kind of like walking with a bit of a, an unequal gait. I thought to myself, I don't know, look, what did I know? I was clueless. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I just thought I'll come on up because God rewards people with childlike faith. And uh, anyway, Pastor, oh, he puts me on the chair and he says, hey, sit over here if you don't mind. And then he put my legs up on another chair over there and he said, put your legs out straight. And I felt so scum, you know, because everybody was looking at me. And my legs were, were two different lengths. And no fanfare, you know, it's always the Holy Spirit when it's not weird. People who get weird about the Holy Spirit, they, they're weird. God's not weird, they're weird. They the muhu, not God. And he just said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you touch his leg by the power of the Holy Spirit. Zhup, my leg grew. Like that. In a, in a moment, like in, just like that. Like, whoa. I remember like telling people about it, like my leg grew. Like, how does that work? The point was the Spirit of God was present and he breathed on me. Because when God breathes, he always breathes into a body. And we're trusting God's gonna breathe into the body of our church tonight. But also we're trusting that He's gonna breathe into your life tonight. We're trusting that He's gonna give us an open heaven over our lives tonight. I believe there's gonna be massive breakthrough for physical healing. I believe people are just, there's gonna be a, a touch of God on their lives healed miraculously. I believe there's gonna be a spiritual healing. I believe there's gonna be a mental healing and an emotional healing. I believe anxiety and depression can lift tonight. In Jesus' name. I believe there's gonna be some breakthrough. There's gonna be an open heaven over us. That's why I started today by talking about an open heaven. Because when you've got an open heaven above you, nothing can hinder the presence of God. And I believe there's gonna be a touch of God on finance and on provision. I believe there's gonna be an open heaven for marriage partners. Listen, no longer are you gonna to have to go to the welcome deck and try and find a, find a marriage partner there. I believe God's gonna bring them into your life. We're not gonna have to auction anybody off here for marriage, but God's just gonna bring the person. And he might come in an ice cream truck or he might come in a Corsa or he might come in an SLK, but he's not gonna be dodgy. She's not gonna be the post office. Not gonna overpromise and underdeliver. Because when God touches something, when he breathes, anything can happen in a moment. So we chose Pentecost Sunday and, and it's happening tonight. Listen, I wanna say this to you. That might well be the most powerful thing you do for yourself this year is to position yourself. If you are gonna come, you need to come early. Listen, those of you who like African time, don't, don't pull in with African time here today. You're gonna struggle because you're gonna get in the overflow. If you're in the overflow, guess what? God's presence will be present. God doesn't need to be in the auditorium. He can be in the overflow venue one. He can be in the overflow venue two. But if you wanna see it, then you must come early. Don't leave it. Don't be slack. Pull in on time. God's gonna do amazing things tonight. In His name, for His name, for His kingdom, and for His glory, amen. So come on church, would you join me? Come, let's stand. Let's prepare our hearts this morning. Thrive, are you ready? Come on, let's give God some praise. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Let's lift our eyes to heaven. Let's lift our hearts to heaven. Come on, let's give Him praise. Let's prepare ourselves for tonight and let's let His Spirit breathe on us.
We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za.